We've been talking about the cross matters. When all is said and done, when you're talking to people and we're talking about what really matters in life and what matters in faith, the cross matters most. I was uh, asked by, by someone this past week, they, uh, they, they, don't, they're not, they're not a, they don't go to church. I mean, they've kind of been, they've been, they've had church, it was a bad experience, so they don't go. And, but it's interesting because more and more they begin to talk to me. First, they were pretty much never talking to me. Now, it's kind of like they're talking to me. And they said, what are you preaching on Sunday? And I gave about a four and a half minute sermon. You're thinking, can you redo that now? No. But I said, I'm going to talk about the cross because it matters most. And I gave them three points and shared something. And, you know, I was thankful. Because I, I do believe the cross matters most. And so I, I think it's time the church really is drawn back to the simplicity of this truth and the reality of this truth. And so let's talk about this because there's something undeniable about the cross. Uh, we look at, we've looked at many facets of it, but there's still more. There's something that's just undeniable about it. It does something to people. I've spent years just talking to people on streets and malls and various places where I get a chance to. And I never forget I was in a mall one time and, and uh, I was taking a group of young kids out to share their faith and, with Camps Crusade. And, and, and I went up to a guy and I said, man, can I, can I share something with you? And, and, and he kind of wasn't real responsive. And I said, just want to just share, a, share a story. We'll give you a track. And, and he said, I don't really want to hear that. I really want to hear that. I said, oh, I understand. I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not here. just want to give this to you and hope you'll take and read it. And he said, well, I don't, I don't really care about that. I don't want to hear anything about that. I said, okay. I said, just want you to know I do it because a man hung on a cross for me. He gave his life for me that I could live and I just like to share that. And then something amazing happened. He started to cry. Tears began to run his cheek. Went, whoa. It wasn't what I said. It wasn't me. I, you know, he'd already pretty much decided to like me. But the cross brought something up inside him that he could not deny. There's something undeniable about the cross. I want to share just, just three stories with you from the Bible that I think prove this point. The first one is this. The power of the cross brings comfort to a condemned criminal. The undeniable thing about the cross is its power, and that power is what brings comfort to this condemned criminal. We know the story, but let's look at it. Luke 23, here's what it says. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, made fun of him, mocked him. Now, let me talk about this word criminal for a minute. We need to take a note here. We, you know, I think some translations say thieves, criminal, uh, outlaw. Now, when we think of a thief or a criminal, we think of someone that's kind of maybe they slip in your house at night when you're not there and take stuff, and, or maybe they just, you know, grab something off the shelf at the store and run out the door. No. These were hardened criminals. These were armed robbers. They were violent. 
They would not think twice about killing you if you resisted. This was the culture of crime and thieves in that day. They were rugged, very ruthless. They would take from you. They would assault you. And they would kill you. Now, we don't know the story of these men, but we know by the fact they were being crucified, they had done something that sensed an undermining of the Roman government and the quality of life of Roman citizens. So, therefore, they had done something pretty wrong. Perhaps they had killed someone in armed robbery. Assaulted. And they're telling them what they did. These were men without boundaries. Understand that. Now, in the context, there was a criminal hanging there, and he made this guy, who has been horrible, made fun of Jesus. He mocked him. Prove it. So you're, you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. I mean, just making fun of him. Verse 40, but the other criminal protested. Watch this. Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? Now, the other guys over there going, man, we're, we're fixing to go meet God. And we've done a lot of stuff wrong. I mean, we've done a lot of stuff wrong. And if this guy is who he says he is, if he's the son of God, let's don't make God any matter. Okay? Verse 41. We deserve to die for our crimes, plural. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Now, what's happened? The thief, from the time they laid hands, Jesus' hands out on the cross and nailed him to the cross, he had been beaten to a pulp, he had a crown of thorns on his head. And this whole time, this thief is watching him, and he is aware that this man has said nothing. In anger, in resentment, in revenge, anything. He's not, he's been made fun of. The thieves heard all the stuff that's being said. And they watched this man do nothing. He didn't respond wrongly. So when the man says, I've watched this man hang on a cross for, for hours and he's done nothing wrong while he's hung on the cross. He hasn't cursed them. He hasn't threatened them. He's kept, he keeps asking his father to forgive them. This man's done nothing absolutely wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, guys, I got to tell you, this is one of the most absurd request you would ever hear in all of life. A man who has lived a, a, a crime-filled life, is now saying, can you give me a break? Can you let me into your kingdom? Can you give me a place? And I love verse 43. 
And Jesus replied, I assure you. He didn't say, eh, maybe, maybe, eh, maybe. Isn't it amazing when people talk to us about how to get in the kingdom, we say a lot of things that don't matter? So, man, you need to come to church. Need to, need to clean up your act a little bit. You know? Uh, this guy had nothing left, man. He was done. He was at the end of the line. And Jesus said... I assure you, today, you will be with me in paradise. From the cross, Jesus provides forgiveness for this man's sin and a future for his life beyond death in basically one sentence. The guy had committed multiple crimes. And he said, would you remember me? I know who you are. I've watched. I, I know who you are. I know you have the power to do something miraculous in my life. Remember me. What an absurd request. And what's more absurd is the reply. Jesus said, you got it. I assure you, I want you to be without any shadow of a doubt. I don't want you to think maybe so, hope so. I want you to absolutely know 100% I'm taking you with me. Today, today, today you will be with me in paradise. When you breathe your last breath, you with me. I got you. And I'm amazed when I look at the power of the cross where grace is offered to this worthless, hopeless, lost thief in his dying moment and the last moments of his life that have counted for nothing but heartache and heartbreak to himself and others. Jesus says, I got you. Every once in a while I'm asked the question, Preacher, do you believe in deathbed confessions? Yeah. I do. I think down to the last minute of this life, it can happen. But I want to encourage you, you don't need to wait to the last minute of this life to let it happen. He said, I got you. You're going to be with me. It's interesting. Both thieves saw the same thing. And one rejected the offer of grace and the other received it. That's how life is, folks. I can tell people about the cross, but I can't make them do anything with it. And so can you. You can tell people about the cross, but you can't make anybody do anything. They either receive or reject. That's the choice they have. And when they were there literally seeing this 
man, Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, die on a cross. They had to make a decision because the cross really matters. And one made fun of it, the other embraced it with faith. The cross made the difference in the destiny of one thief that day. And the cross still makes a difference today in your destiny. There's something else I want you to get. The second story. The power of the cross convinces a callous soldier of the truth. He's hanging on a cross. A lot's happened that day. First three hours are real tough. He's saying a lot of stuff. He's asking for forgiveness for everybody. And they're make, the crowd's pretty excited and riled up. And, and then the darkness comes. And for three hours there was darkness. And people weren't quite as lively, quite as rambunctious, and quite as uh, uh, excited. Crowds had a calming. And then things have happened. Uh, the... The, the, the temple shook, the, the, tail, the veil of the temple was rent, and, man, things happened on the landscape that were bizarre, like an earthquake. And people now are going, whoa, what is going on? And there's a soldier. There were actually several soldiers around the cross. Their job was to make sure everything went well according to plan. And they, they were pros at this. They had seen many crucifixions. They were not moved by them. They, were not, they felt no compassion for the victims. Uh, Roman soldiers were, were also very hardened, and they were used to violence. They were trained to kill. Death didn't bother them. Blood didn't bother them. They weren't schemish. Matter of fact, another, just another day at the foot of the cross for them. They were, they, were, they were casting lots for his stuff. They showed him nothing because to them, he was just a criminal that deserved to be on a cross. They didn't care about him. But there's one that's designed to watch and make sure and everything goes well. And, they're, they're, and he has taken the time to look and to watch. Here's what it says in Mark 15, verse 39. When the Roman officer who stood facing him, now this is important. That, that he stood, he was actually looking at this. His job was to just watch. That's all. He had watched many crucifixions. He wasn't a rookie. His job was to watch and probably sometimes laugh at it. He may have been one of those that made fun of him. For for every soldier's mind, the cross was something that was deserved. And he's thinking this guy's got what he deserves. And they don't care if they suffer. They don't care how long it takes them to die. We need to understand this. This soldier is looking at him. When facing him, now watch this. Okay, now let's recap. Three hours, man, things are, everybody's having a good time. They think it's great. They think they finally dealt with the blasphemer and the underminer of Roman government. They think they've done all the right stuff and they're making fun of him. And, and now the darkness comes and things have changed. The landscape's changed. Things have happened, but he's heard Jesus ask for forgiveness for everybody. He's heard him talk kindly about his mother. He's heard him talk to this thief on the cross and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now this soldier, listen, he's watching all this. And here's what it says. When it all said and done, facing him, he saw how he had died. 
He died a sacrifice. Not even a martyr, certainly not a criminal, but a sacrifice. When he said it was finished, and he said, Father, in your hands I commend my spirit. All was well again within the Trinity. This soldier said, truly, this, this man truly, without doubt, without reservation, was the Son of God. As hardened as he was, the cross broke through. Here's a man who never saw his miracles, never heard him teach, but he saw him die. And that was enough to break through to his heart. That's it. Because the cross matters most. And this hardened, callous soldier would exclaim, this man truly was who he said he was. Because the cross makes the difference. In my second church, I had a man who was a policeman. Policeman, I thank God for policemen. They have a tough job. And, but one of the things that policemen learn to do is to make sure they check their mo- emotions and, and they, they, they guard their heart really well and they, they, they're tough. And uh, Ricky was one of those guys. He was tough. His wife would come to church. His sons come to church. People never come to church. And I would try talking to him. He was an undercover policeman. And, you know, he's kind of weird talking to this guy sometimes because he really looked like a real bad criminal. But I, you know, talked to him, and, and uh, he wouldn't come to church. He said, man, I don't need that. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I don't need that stuff. I'm okay. I'm a tough guy. You know, I'm fine. I deal with criminals. I deal with bad stuff. I'm fine. And then one day something happened. Never forget the first Sunday he came to church. He came to church and, and, and it was kind of neat because he never came. But he came. And I preached on the cross. And something happened to him that day. Then he came the next Sunday and the next Sunday and the next Sunday. And then he said, I want you to come by the house. I want to talk to you. I came by the house and we began to talk. And I watched this man who was so hard become so open because the cross broke through. The cross matters. Third thing I want to share with you is the power of the cross gives clarity to a confused Pharisee. As we again visit the cross and see where Jesus died and how he died and the impact, the power it had on people that were there. A thief says, man, you got to remember me. You're my only hope. A soldier says, you are who you say you are. Everybody's been wrong. And then a confused Pharisee gets it right. John 19, verse 38. Afterward, Joseph Arimathea was also part of the council, a Jew, a very rich Jew who had been a secret disciple of Jesus. He had been a follower but didn't tell anybody. 
because all his buddies weren't. Those guys he went to church with weren't. Those guys who were teachers of the law weren't. Those guys who were crying out, crucify him, they didn't know about Joseph of Arimathea. It's only mentioned here. And, and it says, because he feared the Jewish leaders, he was afraid of his peers. He was afraid of what they would do, what they would say. And, and so, but when the death had occurred, while it was taking place, you got to understand, he was making preparation. He knew what was coming. There was going to be a death on the cross. And, and at that point, he is now making ready his, he's making ready for the burial of Christ. It wasn't an afterthought. It was very planned. Perhaps that morning when they were carrying him out, he says, I've got to go get the tomb ready. He's going to die. And he's not going to be buried like a common criminal. So he asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. He's been pronounced dead. We know he's dead because they thrust a spear in his side and it was done. And Joseph is saying, can I have the body? I, want, I got a place I want. I'm going to put it in my tomb. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. Now, that's pretty incredible because he was awesome, but here comes the rest of it. Afterward, okay, with him came Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus, John chapter 3, who came by night because he was afraid of his peers. And he said, I got to ask you a question. How does a guy go to heaven? And Jesus gave him this explanation, you must be born again. Then he, then he tells him John three sixteen, and he goes, man, here's what's going to happen. For God so gave his only God's son who shall believe him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And he's going, I don't understand. But he did. Because now he come, and he came, Nicodemus is with Joseph saying, the man who had come to Jesus at night, he brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and alloys. 75 pounds is a lot. 75 pounds would make you smell pretty good. But what's more important about that, it was significant. Of, that's what they used, that excessiveness, that, 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 that amazing uh, extravagance was used for royalty. That's what you did for a king. Nicodemus got it. He too was a secret disciple evidently, but he now comes forward out of the shadows with his buddy and says, I'm here to bury my king. I'm here to honor him. A secret disciple steps up for the body of his king. And that is when Nicodemus chose a relationship over religion. All the stuff that people think matter. Nicodemus said, I want a relationship. I don't need all the stuff. I want to know him. I want to love him. I want to honor him. His secret was out. He was no longer afraid of his peers. He simply 
got it. A man said to me a few weeks ago, was talking, he said, I just want to tell you, I'm not religious. I said, that is so good. He said, why? I mean, that's great. <laughs> He's looking at me like, okay, I know you're a preacher. I know you, you know, I, 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 but I, what did you, you know? He's kind of bewildered. I said, dude, I, I think it's great that you're not religious. Because that makes you a little closer to having a relationship with Christ one day. Because it's not, knowing Jesus isn't about a religion, it's about a relationship. Since then, we've had some talks. I've had breakfast with him. He's getting close. Because the cross makes a difference. The cross really, really matters. Here's what I do know about the cross it requires a decision. The side has to be chosen. The cross leaves no one to be neutral. You either reject it or receive it. You embrace it or push it away. You move toward it or you move away from it. But you don't just stay neutral. God in his amazing grace does not allow you to walk away in neutral from the cross. Have you experienced the undeniable power of 